this is it is it is uh, February as you listen to this, dear listener. And February, not a month for gushy and romantic BS. I'm pretty sure I can hear you eating, Mike. But it is also a month well, for you'd Luke. be wrong because I'm uh, not. It's like smacking. It's like <laughs> still hearing it. Hearing what? There's, no, there's nothing happening. Oh god. Okay. Let me restart this. Clearly, I need therapy. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another episode of the Otaku Connection, the anime podcast on Hey Listen Radio, because Joe and Mike needed to give me something to do between their shows, because, well, I'm a bit of a handful. They also co-host with me. Go figure. Anyway, February is going to be an interesting month for us, with me in particular, because it's our first theme month, and it's a month focusing on the works of the character Lupin the Third. I'm going to take my co-host, whose knowledge and experience with Lupin is relatively limited, and hopefully help them form an impression about the character so we can tackle other things regarding Lupin. Anyhow, uh, let me apologize for any weirdness in regards to the sound and, well, the sound quality. I was given a new mic by a friend and co-worker, and I'm not sure what the levels are going to be like, and long story short, I dipped my old mic in tea, and it's not so good now, you can hear it, it'd be part of the podcast if I was recording with it, anyway, can't think of any of that, that, that words, I should have stopped right there, anyhow, please enjoy. You know, if I have timed this right, dear listener, it is the month of February as you listen to this, and February will be the month of Lupin, because screw all that mushy Valentine's BS, and also, that's just the way it worked out. I'm going to kick things off pretty well with a rather classic anime, and one of my personal favorites, Castle of Cagliostro, though, of course, you already know that's what we're talking about, episode previews and whatnot. Um... Let's go with, uh, start with you, Joe Face. I found out something interesting about you in the pre-show in that you don't really have any experience with things Lupin related. So how was your, how was this as your introduction to the character? Uh, it's great. I haven't, I'm assuming since these were, this was a movie, it's kind of based off of a series. Did the series come first or was it a set of movies first? I do, uh, do not know. Be- as a graphic novel on manga. Ah, okay. The original manga came out in 67 by an author calling him, well, I'd say calling himself Monkey Punch, but that was actually uh, his editor made him take that pen name. Real name, uh, Kazuhiko Kota, known to most people as Monkey Punch. He actually doesn't like that name. I found this out on an episode of uh, Did You Know Anime, which is a spinoff of a, a YouTube series called Did You Know Gaming. Uh, I can't name the exact source of it, but it was kind of funny to find out, you know, this name he's synonymous with is something he doesn't actually enjoy. It kind of sucks to be stuck with that, especially since Lupin is basically an institution in Japan. But uh, uh, sorry, Joe, that was a bit of a tangent. You were saying about Lupin? Yeah, so before I watched this, the only thing I knew about Lupin is the the, the hairy knuckles was something that always uh, made me think of Lupin. I always saw that, and I always and the animation style and like the really lanky characters and their and how they looked, but that's kind of like the only impression I ever, I ever kind of knew and how Lupin would be. But then, so this is my first time ever watching any type of Lupin stuff at all. And I thought it was great. It was super funny, really hilarious. 
I actually haven't laughed at an anime in a very long, long time. And this thing actually made me like chuckle a little bit. And then I started actually just laughing, like really laughing because the characters are hilarious. And I was watching the dub version, not the sub version. And I'm starting to think maybe I sh- should have watched more dubbed anime back then because <laughs> because uh, it actually wasn't it actually wasn't that bad. It was the acting was great uh, and the voices fit. And I just thought it was really funny. So I'm glad I watched this and I am looking forward to watching more Lupin. When you say hairy knuckles, mm-hmm. do you mean like hair on knuckles? Yeah, pretty much that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, more just a uh, noticeable hair right. on hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always those uh, sideburns really stuck <laughs> in my brain. Those fucking nineteen eighties Jason Lee sideburns. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that I really liked about Lupin and just kind of cause this anime came out was it nineteen seventy nine? Was it? I think it was the the day for it, but yes. uh, I really like the look of really old anime, like the, all the the Gundam series from the seventies as well. I just love; they all seem to have this same kind of art style and look and look to it. It just, I love that look. So, just seeing this cartoon kind of really brought me back to all to all those different types of animes, and it was just, it was great. It was just just watching it for that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's Lupin. It's, it's every moment of it. It's hilarious too. It was really a really fun, fun movie. Mm. Uh, Mike, what about you? Mm, what about me? Um, um, yes, Angelina, about you. What'd you think of the movie? Uh, well, Joe asked me um, what my experience with Dupont was in the past, and uh, I'd seen a few episodes on Adult Swim, and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, was I what I was expecting from this, but um, I I'm, I'm not sure if I'd seen it before, but yeah, I don't know, I wasn't terribly impressed. I think it was good for the time and it had some good sight gags, but I just I wasn't feeling like I thought they spent way too much time in the castle and. It was kind of funny, but I I thought the like the plot was actually pretty lame and um yeah I don't know I I just I wasn't thrilled to be watching it. Mm, but you're fired. It, it was it was fine. It wasn't like amazing. It's definitely like well, Mr. Miyazaki, everybody's got to start somewhere. But uh, it, fired. It, it, it's funny because. Um, Oh, because you're Captain Miyazaki. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm uh, not. It's, but it's funny, like, the, the look is, is really interesting. Everything's very pastel. And uh, it, it has a charming look to it. But it's funny, like, when there's no, like, classic Lupin characters on screen, it's like, damn, this looks like the most Miyazaki-ass Miyazaki shit ever. Like... The uh, the the airplane when it you know it's flying mm-hmm. to the sky and it lands and there's like a weird butler guy and then I think Cagliostro is there and it's like whoa these guys just look so <laughs> Miyazaki but uh, yeah I, I'll I'll give you that it's a um, it's a it's a cute film I just think some of the the writing and character development wasn't wasn't there and but uh, that's that's actually a question I have for you is this was this kind of Who's the target audience for this? Um, it's standalone, and it's kind of interesting you say that because it actually met with some some negative uh, criticism from like serious business Lupin fans. Uh, it's it was very much a departure from what a lot of people knew Lupin to be at the time, to the extent that it actually created what's called the green jacket archetype, which is Lupin is this very sort of a chivalrous, uh, romantic, uh, heroic type character before he was at best an anti-hero and in the case of the original manga, an outright villain Hmm. to the degree where I've heard he's like maybe raped once or twice. Jesus. Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I seem to remember him being a little bit scummier in the later episodes and movies that I've seen. 
Yeah, well, um, one of the movies we'll watch later, and a movie that came before it that I guess airs a bit closer to the manga, uh, Mystery of Mamo, had come out just a year before. Maybe exactly a year before. And it was, um, I guess, a lot closer to the original concept. Yeah. What's the one with the with the nipple pushing? That's Ma- that's Mamo. <laughs> Which you accused Todd Astro of having for God knows how long. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's just weird because I don't remember that the title of that other one, but I remember watching that one with my my brother who was very young at the time, <laughs> and this just being well, it is what it is. Yeah, well, well, let's not drift too far off the subject at hand, which is your firing, <laughs> and you're fired. I'm fine. Does that mean I don't have to do this show anymore? <laughs> no, you still have to do it. You just have to talk less. You gotta replace me with a gimmick, like a, a talking robot or something. I was just thinking talking robot. As a matter of fact, the Pangelina Five Thousand. Hmm. Yeah. Which I'll still probably need you to voice. So it'll uh, only say a few key phrases. It'll just do a couple Michael Caine impressions and. Uh, It'll say, uh, this is bananas in pajamas coming down the stairs. <laughs> and let's not forget, what is this weeaboo bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is yeah. this weeaboo bullshit? There you go. Just sample that and we've got our robot. I guess it's a little, it's a little confusing, but uh, I... I I swore that when I switched from uh, What's Your Enemy to Otaku, I'd stop trying to like gauge whether or not you guys would like the show. The mm-hmm. shows I put out there, uh, old habits die hard. Uh, it, it, it is a little confusing, especially since uh, watching it today. I actually watched it subbed for the first time ever, and it kind of told Joe it was kind of like seeing it through new eyes and just rediscovering all that I loved about it, and it's not an exaggeration to say I love just about every moment of this anime. Mm. It's just a, a joy to watch. It's a visual treat. I just love the way everyone and everything moves, and yeah. while I'm not the biggest fan of Miyazaki, I can really appreciate his touches here. Yeah, uh, the way, just on. the way Lupin moves. Like He's always mm-hmm. doing something funny, whether it mattered or not. Like, Exactly. Where, where he's diving to catch what's her face, they added in that little touch where, to, where he's like swimming. <laughs> swimming through the air. It's like they, that was on screen for like half a second, but they he made them do it. I appreciated all that stuff. Hmm. And even even the things outside of Lupin, like uh, the architecture, stood out in a good way. Whereas maybe the auto gyro was kind of a bit too obviously uh, Miyazaki need but it, it played it played a part well enough um, maybe it's because uh, I don't have a like a point of reference really at all for Lupin because this is my first time ever watching mm-hmm. anything Lupin but watching this I mean I didn't honestly take it very seriously maybe because it was just the art style or anything I it to me it just felt like something that would come on on Saturday morning it's just gave off that kind of vibe like something you would take your little brother or sister to to go see and yeah it just that's, yeah it just seemed that's why i was asking who the audience was for because it did feel like it was very child friendly yeah i mean the story i mean i i mean the story was your typical you know save the princess type thing from the evil villain guy so i mean that didn't really bother me at all i, I was just kind of turning off my brain and just enjoying it it was just super super goofy it's so <laughs> lino when you were saying that his character uh, like in the in the manga, was just <laughs> possibly raping people and being super evil. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I got that like a little bit, but it seemed with this movie seemed like what they were doing is if that's how his character was, this version of him was the super goofy, super goofy friendly guy yeah. that just is because like the the scene in the restaurant when they were eating spaghetti and that 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 
the waitress came and she was asking about the ring and then out of nowhere Lupin kind of which is playing around with her but he kind of went like rawr and I'll get, I'll capture you or oh, whatever yeah. I mean that, that was oh, yeah. Most, so yeah that he's was, a playboy like me yeah that was the most rapey that he got but. yeah but right there that kind of gave me the vibe that okay this character is a spin-off of another character clearly there's something here but i'm just gonna let it go he's joking around because i mean in reality <laughs> no waitress is gonna react the way that she did which is like she's just laughing and giggling and she's so she'd be in reality she'd be screaming and calling for help <laughs> so i thought that was funny but um yeah yeah this is definitely the type of type of movie that i just really felt like i'm just gonna sit back and eat some popcorn and just kind of laugh that's the impression i was getting with it yeah, um, very uh, family friendly. It gives me like a real Disney vibe. Yeah. Um, when I said uh, he's, uh, I mean, I think the manga is kind of like the most extreme end of this. Uh, what is often called the red jacket archetype, which is sort of like the harsher depiction of the character, still has a lot of variance in it. Um, they're just kind of extremes. Um, I want to say for the most part, what when you see Lupin, he's going to be somewhere in between the spectrums, regardless of which jacket he's wearing. But uh, yeah, this was kind of revolutionary in regards to that, and that it created aspects of the character that have uh, persisted throughout to well, the degree that I don't think I've seen anyone go super far in the direction of the red jacket since then. What is that because after this particular movie or just maybe others that they liked this more goofy version of him or why exactly yeah. did the other because you were saying that all I guess the hardcore Lupin fans did not like this is it because he was really because it was such oh. a departure okay okay I see mm. Mm. but I think it pulled in a lot of new fans and what ultimately ended up happening is uh, aspects from both sides kind of coalesced and would shift depending upon who was writing uh, whether it was a series or a movie, what direction they wanted to take it, etc, etc as we'll see with uh, future animes Yeah, Gotcha Well, I, uh, I thought it was interesting that we watched this directly after having watched Bebop Bebop <laughs> I, yeah, I could see the, not only just the, the influence of of the characters um, but also a lot of the voice actors from this movie are like veterans and they show up in bebop like a, or at least they sound a lot like them um, fucking I know uh, Goemon sounds a lot like uh, old man bull <laughs> and uh, Jigen Jigen I can't remember what his voice sounded like but to me he sounded like my impression of Harrison Ford <laughs> but uh yeah and um fujiko i believe is the actress who uh is nurse jenny really oh uh, that's interesting or, or nurse joy rather uh, and officer jenny yeah. I think they have the same voices in pokemon yeah. that's great <laughs> Uh, um, huh. We're on the subject of the uh, characters. Well, we talked about Lupin a bit. What did you guys think about the rest of the cast? Namely, Jigen, oh. Goemon, Puchiko. Oh, I remember. I think Jigen is actually voiced by the guy who is Jet's partner in Bebop. Hmm. Interesting. He sounds a lot like him. Anyway, um, Characters? Uh, I mean, Lupin was kind of adorable. Um and it was cool. I was kind of geeking out hearing young David Hayter's voice. That was, <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, I mean, for me, like, there, I, I didn't feel like there was much character development um, across the board. I think the most that we got, I feel like, was... I, th I thought there were some nice moments between Lupin and Zenigata. I, I liked the little moment they had in the cave where they kind mm -hmm. of come to a truce. Uh, it's very short-lived. But, um, yeah, I feel like the recurring characters that are, like, the Lupin cast, like, I don't know if they were expecting the audience to just know them, but I didn't... Like, we got we got, we got got some good moments between Jigen and Lupin, too, like that. But Goemon, it's like, oh, they call him halfway through, and he shows up, and he has, like, five lines. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Fujiko's a badass. But she doesn't have much screen time. Um, <laughs> really, they, the whole plot kind of revolved around this this damseled girl in the castle, and I, I really just felt like she was just there as a plot point just to be damseled and just to yeah. fall in love with Lupin with, on first sight. <laughs> um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I found that kind of kind of lazy. Um, Cagliastro looks like fucking Clark Gable or some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, is an interesting villain. <laughs> it's, a, it's a certain type of dude that will wear like a a crazy animal mask to his wedding. <laughs> Bold. I thought that was an interesting touch. His wedding looked like a funeral. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you know someone's a villain when they intentionally designed their wedding to be the most ominous shit you've ever seen. Yeah. Mm. Like a line of executioners. Fucking. But, uh, before I get into that, uh, Joe, anything you want to add? So I definitely. What the way that they introduced the characters, it really felt like one of those kind of movies. Like for with Pokemon, how Pokemon has like a billion different movies that they always just keep, keep releasing with each new series of the show that comes out, and they kind of they always all these characters from the TV show always pop up in the movies, and they didn't really give an explanation of why they're there or you know why they're help that kind of thing. They just kind of play their part, and they kind of. Ast- they assume that you know who they are yeah. and what they're about. I got that same feeling with this movie. It feels like the way the characters just kind of came in and weren't really explained at all. They just kind of <laughs> knew their part. Uh, that at the they kind of expected the audience who already have seen the show. Yeah, it felt like a a late entry in the Fast and Furious series, <laughs> like where you go, oh shit, it's Han. Oh shit, it's Fujiko. <laughs> oh shit, it's fucking Tyrese. <laughs> That would have been awesome if he okay. showed up. Luda. But yeah. Oh, um, okay, so I guess I gotta ask a question before I get to actually um yeah. Um so what I'm getting from this is uh well definitely you, Mike, but I'm not so sure about Joe. This doesn't quite have the same uh sort of watch on the fly aspect of it that the Bebop movie had, where you didn't necessarily need to know these characters beforehand or really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, it's different with the Bebop movie. I feel like you, you, even if you go in blank, they, they spend a lot of time with each character. Like you follow Faye quite a bit. You follow Ed quite a bit. Um, Jet has his moments for sure, but it's it's normally with other people. But he gets a lot of time, and and Spike has a really cool relationship with the villain, and um, and there's a really cool scene. Actually, going back to going to the Bebop movie, the scene where where Spike kind of he wakes up um, after after his train fight, and he's all bandaged. Really, there's a scene in in Castle of Cogliostro that really reminded me of that and it's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. with ones in the bed all, all bandaged but um, back to my point was that's in the Bebop movie that's where you get old man bull shows up with his son if you don't know who they are then it's kind of like they still kind of have this mystery to them like oh like who are these people but I don't know I, I, I don't know but with Castle of Cogliostro it, again it was just kind of like, well, now here's Goemon. Now here's Zenigata. But, yeah. So, and then, no, there's uh, Do you agree with that at all, too? Oh, no, I, I agree completely, but I think they did that intentionally. They just... It's it's definitely, it feels, like I said, it feels like that whole Saturday morning cartoon thing where it's just, they know all the kids have been watching the show. So, here's your movie. So, enjoy, enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Um, let me just say in, in short that I disagree with you completely. But uh, which me or um, Mike? Uh, more so, Mike. Not as much with you, but I think this has kind of got more appeal than just a oh, here's a cartoon. Like I think this is the actual quality, personally. What do you disagree with me about? 
Um, well, I can I can uh, see your point in regards to we don't get as much time with the other characters. This is definitely Lupin-centric with everyone just kind of there in support to that end. But I think uh, it's still got an, enough enough going with it, enough appeal that you don't necessarily have to know Lupin beforehand. I think the simplistic story gives it a level of accessibility that doesn't oh, require yeah. you to know. I mean, the it stuff is for sure. I don't think it's la- I don't think it's lazy. Is where I disagree with you on. Uh, I, I don't think that aspect is lazy. I should say. Right. I know. I didn't. I didn't like it. I just didn't think they gave uh, any of the supporting cast room to breathe, with the exception of a small few, which is fine because they spent kind of a lot of time building up like Cogliostro and his relationship with this girl. Um, I just didn't find him or her interesting at all. Well, there is something to be said about her, her being Clarice and that um, we've seen many an argument made that she's sort of the progenitor of the Moe archetype. Yeah. I've kind of opened the can of worms by mentioning that. So, um, should I even bother trying to explain what Moe is, Joe yeah, Face? I don't know what the fuck it is. Educate them, my friend. Uh, that's the problem. Is trying to do this kind of... Ugh. Um, I won't bother trying to explain the words. Suffice to say, Moe is kind of like a character archetype stemming from a character being sort of cute in a kind of shy and submissive sort of way mm. uh, I feel the appeal to this works in three stages it's sort of a school of thought that's um, recognized by people who understand and can kind of respect the archetype but aren't necessarily fans of it which is at phase one it's just this cute thing that appeals to you on that basic level at phase two the character is endearing to the extent that they invoke these sort of pr- protective instincts someone might have for like a a child, a relative, whatever. And then at phase three is when it starts to get creepy because that's when you start wanting to fuck it. <laughs> I never get to phase three. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, well, to me, that's just like, ugh, it's laziness. She just had no well, fun- function other than to be a plot point. She might as well uh, not have had... She had zero agency at all. Mm, I, I, again... No will, except to, to live was... happily ever after with Lupin. <laughs> yeah, and keep him from getting killed a couple times. That's the same thing. Hmm. So... Yep, I guess it doesn't matter then. <laughs> so this is kind of a weird aside, but when he was ha- when he was in the bed, and he was all bandaged up, and he was having that... He was telling his story, basically how he kind of met her. And when he met her, she was a little girl. How old is Lupin? Is Lupin like in his 30s or 40s? That's that's the... Well, the characters are supposed to be timeless, so they rarely, if ever, give an indicator of age. Well, it was kind of weird because he said when he was young, and and, and that was like 10 years ago, and he he looks almost the same. (laughs) Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's the way it always works. No, I kind of figure those characters have not his, aged since their inception in the sixties. I kind of figure he's in his mid twenties, and he was probably like a teenager okay. uh, during the flashback. But like you said, he looked exactly the same. And I just thought it was a little weird that she, I mean, she was a little girl, so I'm guessing mm-hmm. her age when he was really yeah, just trying to flirt with her or help or whatever whatever his plan was with her. I guess she was in her early twenties then, maybe. I'm pretty sure she's still a teenager here. Still a teenager? Uh, so he's... Uh, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about that. It just seems a little she's, off to me. Working with her. Wait a second, and that dog, only- and that dog was in the, flash, in, the, in the story as well. So, how, damn, how old is that dog? That dog's like maybe 15 years <laughs> That's old? The, Jesus. That's the real question. That dog is immortal. <laughs> it didn't age. That's the real secret, the Cogliostro bloodline. I guess. Yeah, oh yeah, what the fuck? Speaking of that shit, were they like kissing cousins or what? He's trying to, he said they were like related and he was going to try and reunite the family bloodlines and shit. 
I, I think the impression I get is that like they were part of the same bloodline, but at that point they're very far removed. Uh. Though that being said, I wouldn't put it past this smarmy ass son of a bitch to like straight up try to screw his cousin or something. Like uh. this guy was on a shame. Your uncut raw ass belt. Uh, that's that's some incest right there. That's oh, just a straight up. I mean, I mean, who the hell makes their servant undress and dress them? <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was really funny. Mm. They, they had some interesting uh, clothing removals. I <laughs> uh, really. Like, it sort of just he didn't have to say anything. Sort of just knew undress him. I also like that he pulls off his ascot that he's wearing, and he's wearing another one underneath. <laughs> yeah. And also the scene where uh, uh, Goemon cuts Lupin's clothes that are on fire off of his body. <laughs> that was a great scene. Yeah. That was great. That's how, yeah. That's how Goemon does it. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't happy about it though. He removes no. with his sword. Samurai. Uh, uh, yeah, something you wouldn't know is I cut another worthless object is like his catchphrase. I got that feeling from him. He likes to do the choppings of the clothes. Oh, yeah. that's, that's what he does. Was that the full cast from, or was there? More, are there more? Yeah, the, no. The primary cast is uh, Lupin, Jigen, Goemon, Fujiko, and Zenigata, the crazy cop mm-hmm. chasing him, and. and um, you're seeing uh, different archetypes of the characters here. I want to say you're going to get to see polar opposite ones in uh, Mystery of Mamo, which is what we'll watch next. Yeah, um, see, I, I kind of really like. We did. We spent some time with Zenigata too, and I kind of like that we kind of show him, like his side of he's trying to uh, do the the right thing and arrest Cagliostro because of his money laundering scheme or whatever, and. For some reason, he goes straight to the UN. <laughs> it's that big of a problem. Yeah, and uh, well, this is like, well, you remember what the the issue with the counterfeiting was? Is that it's like, yeah, in yeah. the back, major war in Europe. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, interesting plot. I wish they would have focused on that more. But I, I like that scene of him like arguing with the UN. You know, <laughs> I I just. The fact that he was arguing with the UN was kind of weird to me, but I thought it was even weirder is that the UN are even talking to him. It just, well, how did that even? How did that come about? Why are they listening that, to this one guy? He's yeah. he's with Interpol. He's with Interpol. Okay, okay. Does Interpol ever Japanese. go and talk to the UN? Um, no, I'm just saying that like he's <laughs> a bit more than a Japanese beat cop, which okay. is what he looks. It's it's funny because, yeah, that is what he looks like. And um, from the show that I remember, he was usually kind of completely over the top and pretty uh, ineffective. Mm. But uh, he seems yeah. like a good cop in this in this this one. Well, yeah, that's uh, one of his uh, two primary archetypes. Where one is where he's a serious cop chasing after Lupin, but usually gets distracted by whatever greater evil Lupin is dealing with. Mm-hmm. Or he's a total goof, uh, yeah. either completely inept or at least partially inept, and usually gets by with help from Lupin. Um, I'd say this is my favorite take on Zinigata. Um, Cagliostro also has my favorite uh, variation of Lupin and Fujiko. In this case, um, there seems to be two primary archetypes for Fujiko. Um, in this one, we saw Fujiko the super spy and. Uh, the other archetype is Fujiko the whore. <laughs> mm. yeah. I'm not as big a fan of. Mm. Yeah. She was uh, like the... She tried to grenade the window, but it was grenade-proof windows. That was some serious business right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was in and out pretty quick in that in the whole movie. She wasn't there that much. Mm. Well, she made her presence felt. Not only does she make off with the... Uh, counterfeiting plate. She also sets in the motion the final act in the movie. This is true. Good point. Oh, Fujiko. She is kind of like Boba Fett in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. 
This only shows up to do bullshit. Oh, yeah. Good old Fujiko. I like the way it ends. Oh. What do you mean? That's nice. It's just kind of like, well, here we go again. Like, back to business as usual. He's just with his buddy, and they're being chased by uh, Zenigata. Mm. Well, I, I was kind of wondering that even though Lupin was trying to you know save her from the evil Count Dooku, I don't know why I said that. That's not right. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was trying to save her. He's a big old Dooku now, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he was trying to save her, but I kept wondering to myself, okay, Lupin, you're going to save her, but then what? What we? Okay, what's the plan? What's what's the what's the after? What's gonna yeah, happen? Wait, that's one thing I one didn't understand at, at a all. Time. Oh, what, the, what the hell is he even going into that castle for in the first place? The goat just, bells. The what? The goat bills. The counterfeit goat? money. Yeah. Why did he want that? Um, I don't know. Shits and giggles. Why does Lupin do anything? Because at the beginning, he got a he stole a bunch of money, and he was like, "Oh, it's counterfeit." And he's like, "I don't want this." I think he w- he said he was doing but, it. Oh, go ahead. When he sees, he decides to go after him. He realizes they're the goat bills, and what we find out later on is that he has some unfinished business in regards to. Yeah, because I remember them talking about how there are lots of. Everybody was trying to always figure out where the the you know the goat bills were were coming from, and what was the source of it. And every person that did find out ended up dying. So I think the whole point of it was he was just trying to finally figure out where the source of it all was. So I don't think there really was a particular reason why he was like once he got in there what he was going to do. I think he just wanted to find it, just like everybody else, just to figure out where the source was coming from. That and really, am, am I the only one of the three of us that doesn't find saving somebody's life like a worthwhile venture? It's. I think it's fine, but it's kind of done to fine, death. Fine, but you're not Lupin. Oh. Ow. <laughs> Damn, Mike. My question is: Is why the hell did Lupin care? I mean, I guess he. Any, it was childhood love. Blame on me. Um, I think he. The reason why he cared is because like he just like saving people that's what it seemed like he just he's a romantic I guess or whatever he's the hero yes, he's, a, he's, romantic. The, he's yeah. a hero I mean uh, the, I have to explain this to you guys <laughs> we have to explain it I mean I, that's what I I kind of figured it out I mean it's it when the whole, when he went in there when he, when he was in the room with her and he just kept going on and on saying all these oh, believe in the yeah save you in flight he'll yeah. drink a whole lake in one gulp yeah, I, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think he just kind of just just gets off on that. He just loves doing that. He just likes being the hero, likes being the knight in shining armor. So I think that's why he does it. He just does it to do it. Wait, that didn't sound right. He just does it to does it. That's better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's Lupin. Wait, so is it Lupin or... Because they were saying it two ways. They were, like, saying Lupin... Yeah, there's a reason for that. Um, okay. I want to say if you watch the old streamline dub to... Uh, They'll occasionally call him Lupin, but uh, he'll frequently be referred to as the Wolf. Um, now, yeah, this is this is tied to the fact that uh, the character Lupin the Third is based on a literary character from a French novel series, uh, Arsene Lupin, by a guy named Maurice LeBlanc. Uh, Monkey Punch didn't get permission from LeBlanc's estate to create the character of Lupin the Third. I don't think they run into too many problems in Japan. However, when you try to import this into other countries, you then stand to run into that issue. So they find ways to work around it, such as calling him a wolf or a loop or Lupin. Yeah, well, well, the wolf has some precedent in the sense that Lupin literally literally means wolf. Right. Um, but yeah, how do you pronounce uh, it in French? Um, I think it's just Lupin or some shit. Just, just say Lupin with an accent. Hmm. Lupin! I guess, it's te- <laughs> I guess it's technically not an accent since it's a French word. But, uh, yeah, pronouncing it differently as well. There are some animes released out here where they call him Rupon. Uh, hmm. The Groupon. release of 
Racket series, they call them Lupin. <laughs> that's it. That's Lupin's cousin. He's all about good deals. <laughs> he, won't, he won't steal. He'll just buy real cheap. <laughs> well played, Mike. Well played. Groupon <laughs> uh, the second. Yeah, that's that's how you uh, end up with like a bunch of different pronunciations, a bunch of different names for the same character. And I imagine being an old school Lupin fan was probably a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. For that reason, ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I think because I'm probably outing myself by saying that I'm not so astute that I immediately pick out voices, whether it be in English or Japanese. But the way I could always tell which dub I was watching, because there are two dubs for Cagliostro. Uh, mm. one by line in the 90s and then another one done by manga in 2000 is uh, that scene where I want to say it's, it's one of the scenes where Cagliostro is sitting talking to either the butlers and he got a and the butlers tell him okay uh, Lupin's coming in the streamlined dub they refer to him as the wolf and they say Lupin in the manga dub mm. which one came first uh, streamlined where he was uh, called the Wolf. The Manga yeah. Dub, I think, is the David Hader. Who'd they get to replace David Hader? No, David Hader's the replacement. Um, you'll In be 2000? interested. Yes. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> the original voice for Lupin in the Streamline Dub also uh, did the voice of Techno Man. <laughs> That's one I need to revisit. I love that shit as a fucking kid, man. Me too. But, but uh, yeah, that's weird. I guess that makes sense. David Hayter wouldn't have done that shit in 79. He was probably like 10. <laughs> 10 year old Hayter. 10 year old snake. Yeah. I gotta, I, I, I say, I, I, uh, excuse me. <laughs> I did, I like the, the, the opening a lot because to me that, I don't know, it was something about when the, like I said, I didn't like the plot. I didn't. It wasn't the castle. I didn't find it an appealing setting. But like the beginning, I thought it was really cool with the chase scenes and all that, and Monaco. And uh, but it, it got it gave me kind of like a a French New Wave kind of appeal. But then the more that I watched it, I realized it was it was definitely very seventies, like seventies mm-hmm. cop drama. Like those chase sequence had that that a great you know. Uh, kind of 70s cop drama chase scene music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love the tiny cars, especially in the opening when that car... Oh, the, 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 the Fiat's. Yeah, the, yeah. The cars were just pulling apart. That was great. The uh, super Fiat's, they're all uh, looping drives. Um, apparently, those cars don't really run <laughs> like that. And, they, and they one of like on a, the sides of mountains. Yeah, that was out of nowhere. That's that's a specialty of Lupin. So he's all about you know physics, like driving in ways that defy physics, and it's always fun. Um, I think uh, my favorite uh, instance of them driving though was a small one where they uh, this is after the chase. They hit a bump, and Jigen nearly goes through the sunroof. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I, I kind of suspect there's a specific reason why Mike doesn't like this, and I kind of don't want to get into it. But uh, I guess if you don't like that damsel in distress archetype, this is really going to bug the ever loving shit out of you. But if yeah, uh, pretty much, and it's it's one thing if it's just in there, but it's like she, she is the plot. <laughs> See, the the, the trade off to uh, that I don't know. It just seems like every time. Maybe I'm just misinterpreting, but every time I hear people complain about that, it just ends up sounding really cold. Like, we don't give a fuck about helpless people. Go die. Let us watch something interesting. It's one thing to be helpless, but it's another thing to just, like, it's, you're, it's, and like you said, it's not like she was just helpless. Like, she, I, I I think you said she helped Lupin out a couple times, but she just had, I had no, backstory no like I didn't know anything about her other than she was trapped in a castle and she wanted to leave and be with Lupin forever 
Like hmm. there was nothing. There was nothing else. Like that was it. I don't know where she came from, how she got there, what her what her motivations, if any, were. Didn't seem like she had any. Hmm. There was. Yeah, she, see, online, she just seemed kind of like broken in that response. In that, yeah, yeah in, but I we guess don't. They don't say why she would be like that. I mean, look at look at the fucking count. <laughs> well, see, that's that's the that's the weird thing. The count, they was actually they're actually kind of hinting at it a little bit. He kept on saying, "Oh, you know, you know about your past." He just, but he never actually flushed it out. He just kind of they just kind of kept poking at it, but not actually telling you yeah. what exactly like why, like why. For, you could basically You're implying that the yeah. bloodline has dirt. Yeah, yeah, that there was something really bad that happened back then and that the reason why she was there was pretty much because of whatever happened then or whatever was associated with her side of the family. She's pretty much obligated to kind of marry him at this point. I mean, they didn't they didn't say all that out loud, but they like in really subtle ways they were kind of giving that off, but I wish they would have gone a little bit more into detail because they kind of kept they were like just poking at it. I just kind of it was a little annoying. So I just wanted like, all right, you're saying something Something happened here. Tell me what happened. But you know, I can, eh. I can, I can see that. I think uh, I, I, I take any sort of issue with uh, what Mike's saying about it. Is I think it should come down more to a matter of preference in regards to her character versus this is just bad. I mean, with all that said, though, they were poking at all this stuff and never really kind of talking about it in more detail. Because they probably felt they didn't have to. I, I think because the audience that they were probably that this anime or this particular movie was pitched to, they just they just needed to have a story. That's what I was getting from this. Mm-hmm. They just had it. To, they just needed to have something there so that the movie could be moved along. So that whoever was watching it, probably a very young audience, would have something to kind of go off of. Oh, there's a princess in the tower, and she needs to be saved. Oh, something you know, dark and evil happened in the past at some point. So that gives Lupin reason now to save her. So there you go. That's, that's all we need to kind of keep them going. So at least that's what, that's the impressions I was getting. Basically, Mm -hmm. Which is not, but is by no means bad. I just think for the audience, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's call it bad or I don't think I wouldn't say it's good. I just think it's, just relying on relying on a very old trope and uh, yeah no I, I mean I, I agree with you Mike I, I mean that's that's what they are doing it's not like it's not the next yeah. you know amazing piece of cinema but it's just I just feel like See, I, I think it is an amazing piece of cinema though I guess I, I, that's I, where I'm just gonna have to agree to disagree with you guys here because I feel it's yeah. an amazing it's just, I, I feel for what it's trying to do it does well yeah. but it's not really trying to be anything great. I mean, we're looking at this and through I, I the lens of 2016. Like, I'm sure it set some standards in the Lupin universe and it set some animation standards, but, yeah. you know, we live in the world that we live in today, and that's at least that's the way I'm looking at it. You know, how far, you know, writing has come in, in anime and how far animation has progressed. But I don't really... I don't really fault it for that. It's just like they wrote it and it was fine for the times and then they made it. Um, and then, you know, times change and people demand a little bit more out of their female characters and, and they get it. And then, you know, we look back and it's, it's fine. We can just see where we at back. We were at back then. And it's part of, you know, recognizing that it is, it's a good movie but there's parts that, you know, nothing's going to be perfect or please anyone, everyone. Yeah. But that, that was just the big hole for me. And also the fact that I don't like when I see uh, female characters written that way, um, kind of accompanied with the fact that she's, a, she should be a, a big part of this movie. And, but she's in the end, she's just kind of a trope. So that's my issue with it. And knowing that Miyazaki directed it too was hmm. it feels like it feels homely. It's like it's comforting, but it's not mm. I didn't get the feeling like this is an amazing Lupin story, you know? 
It felt like another one of his adventures, pretty much. It's just kind of like another episode, but longer. That's the, that's how I felt about that's, it. That's that's uh, what people say about a lot of Lupin stuff altogether. Is that a lot of the movies, the TV specials, just feel like uh, movie length episodes, and yeah. some of them are made that way. Some of them aren't. And you know how much of that is a a negative criticism can vary from person to person. Um, this feels like a lot more than that to me, and I've seen quite a bit of Lupin. Um, like I kept uh, uh, mentioning that it had like a very Disney feel to it, and it felt like that to me in both length and scope. And it wasn't an exaggeration when I said that I enjoyed just about every moment of this movie. It's a, a, a timelessness to it, uh, beauty, and invokes a sense of whimsy in me that I thought had long died. And, you know, I felt watching that today, which is maybe why I'm getting so defensive about it, though. I still do feel kind of sad anytime I hear uh, critical analysis of uh, certain aspects of it, whether it be for good reasons, for bad reasons. And it just kind of. I don't know, I worry sometimes that the culture of not just anime, but entertainment in general is kind of moving in ways and losing touch. And I, I suppose that's fine. But um, it seems kind of sad that you can't enjoy something like that. But maybe, again, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's yeah, just me well, taking something. Well, again, I we don't enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. I also Boy. did. I also did feel that it did feel like it was going on maybe a little too long. Uh, when he, uh, when he was fell off of the roof after I guess he got shot or something, and then he, uh, like he woke up in the bed with a dog next to him and, and all that stuff. It felt like that was it, the movie should have stopped there. Like they should have cut it off there. I mean, not not the movie would stop there. No, let me let me let me finish. I don't so I don't mean counter- let me finish. I don't mean. St- let me rephrase that. I don't mean like stop right at that moment. I mean, it feels like the movie should have wrapped up around that point because it felt like, I don't know. It just felt like uh, it, it could have been long. It was an hour and 40. It was an hour and 43 minutes, I think. That seemed yeah. like that story could have wrapped up a little bit sooner than it. Yeah. I guess that's another thing that that, that was the main thing that just, what I was talking about before that really threw me. I feel like it. Like, I didn't look at it through, like, the hero's journey and all this shit, but it feels like it didn't follow, um, like, a traditional three-act structure. Mm. Like, I feel like we didn't, you know, we start off with Lupin. I feel like a normal structure would be, like, um, you know, he gets involved in something and then he discovers that it's this thing and then he plans and then he would go to the castle but I feel like we got to the castle like almost immediately or at least very quickly and then we kind of got there and then um, he kind of went pretty deep in it and then he left Yeah, that... and then it kind of slowed down and then picked up again and they went back to the castle so I feel like they I, I just feel like kind of like they shot their load early by going to the castle so quickly it's kind of I don't know yeah, I think that was some of that with, uh, Miyazaki's um, fascination with architecture. I think the yeah. I think the going yeah I think the going back to the castle like that whole that felt like yeah. it, it wasn't necessary like it just yeah. felt like it was just going yeah. going on a bit too it, much. It didn't it didn't feel like a journey. Yeah, you know because he didn't really he didn't travel. He was always in the same place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I was, I was <laughs> yeah, that felt a little strange to me. Besides that, though, Lionel, once again, I want to reiterate, I did again, actually enjoy again. the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Take, again, at this point, at this point, take my um my my saltiness with a grain. We talked about this a bit. Uh, anything you guys want to say to close? <laughs> and uh. Like anything you want to say to save your job? Uh, this movie was trash. Don't fucking watch it. <laughs> I just, well, I think the movie was fine. I, it was funny. The animation was good. 
Um, structurally, I found it very strange and kind of, uh, uh, probably it was the sound mixing too. There was no kind of some, I felt like it was missing punch. Everything was kind of leveled the same. And, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun romp. I, I'd, I'd probably, uh, I don't know. It's a little lazy Sunday afternoon kind of movie. Hmm. I think there's probably better Lupin stories out there though. Uh, Joe, you? Uh, like, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. I probably, my little brother would probably like to watch it. He, he likes this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in Lupin now. I mean, it hasn't steered me away from Lupin. I, I do actually want to see more of it. I like the character. He's funny and silly. And like I said, it got me to laugh. So I like to laugh. So there we go. I mean, it's 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 looping. There we go. It's 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 good. Now, um, in regards to recommendations, I'm having a real hard time with recommendations as of late. Uh, probably the lack of internet. Um, I mean, there's the obvious ones. I mean, there's there's shit tons of looping out there. And um, if you like the uh, animation, the focus on machinery and architecture, there's always. Uh, the many, many Miyazaki films out there. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but I would personally recommend Porco Rosso, which is kind of an underlooked one of his works that are is really good. Um, again, there's obviously all the Lupin stuff and some of the things that inspired or was, that Lupin inspired, such as the plethora of Disney movies. Um, one that stands out in regards to the clock tower scene is The Great Mouse Detective. Um, then of course Bebop what we talked about before what with uh, Lupin and Jigen and basically being the uh, prototypes for Spike and Jet uh, same thing with Fujigo and Faye um, another one I think I mentioned in an episode you haven't heard yet which is uh, Space Adventure Cobra Cobra is effectively Space Lupin I would recommend the Cobra series over the Cobra movie, however, which is what we talked about. Joe, am I missing anything? Does not sound like it. Covered all the bases. Yeah, and then there's like, if you happen to just like uh, stories about uh, thieves, specifically chivalrous type thieves, I believe there's a at some point, this was originally a sort of spinoff no, I'm mixing it up. There's a character called Magical Kaito, which was a creation of the guy who did Detective Conan. He played small roles in some of the Conan films, but I believe got an actual series a few years back. And he has kind of a similar MO to Lupin, you know, making the point to steal big name stuff and sending a calling card out beforehand to let you know he's going to do it. Um... That's all I got right now. Uh, anything you guys got uh, want to say to close it out completely? Looping good. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. Drink, Joe. Sure, you can keep Cola. your job at half pay. <laughs> and Mike says, "Drink, Jolt Cola." Oh, I remember Jolt. Well, Surge. If I get some money off of that, Mike, you can keep your job. Eat it, Joe's. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Blockbuster video. Wow, what a difference. I'll, I'll make you some pancakes. <laughs> I didn't mention pancakes. You said eat at Joe's. thought oh, you okay. were talking. Uh, okay. Wonderful. Ah, oh, that joke. Exactly, Astro. It's great. Yep, that's uh, one down, three to go, and... I don't know what the deal was with me on this episode. I uh, guess I was having a bad day. I took their criticism a little harder than I probably should have, which, uh, yeah. What can you do? No, seriously, tell me. What can I do? But Jumper Cables, how can we tell you what to do? Oh, it just so happens I have a Twitter you can contact me on. At OldTakuConnect on Twitter. Yeah, it's old Taku Connect because there wasn't enough characters for connection. Either that or I did it wrong. Point is, I'm not changing it. But if you want to try and uh, talk me into it, yeah, 
Jumper cables at Otaku Connect. Now, if you want to yell at my co-host for not appreciating Cosmiastro for the visual masterpiece that it is, you can uh, bug Pangelina at Hyper90s. 90s is spelled out, because he likes letters and words. And you can uh, give a little howdy-do to our fearless leader Joe Face at NAGP Returns. Now for the rest of the plug. Special thanks as always to the creator of the opening theme, Synthetic Highway. If you enjoyed the song and want to hear more like it, please check out the artist Submorphine at soundcloud.com slash submorphine. S-U-B hyphen M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. Special thanks also to the creator of the promo theme, Anime Raku. If you'd like to hear more like it or want to check out the artists, head on over to facebook.com slash squarion, S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. Feel free to check out Squarion's ongoing series, Project Stick, at facebook.com slash projectstick. If you wanted to stay up to date, or, you know, just uh, catch up, keep from falling behind, know when we do things before even we do them, ooh, creepy, you can follow us at uh, Twitter, on Twitter, rather, at HeyListenRadio, on SoundCloud and on Facebook, as Hey Listen Radio, or subscribe to us on iTunes and Android. Oh dear God in heaven. It's finally happened. I ran on for so long that I ran out of song. It's so quiet and lonely without that music. Uh, anyway, have a good night, people. Lupin, I didn't like this version of Lupin. He just seemed like a perverted, bossy dick. He took his character into some different directions, but really he was kind of... Like, you thought it was confusing from Tagliastro had two. But, uh, Mamo, yeah, Mamo's got four. The month of Lupin continues with Secret of Mamo.